this is a momentous occasion. I'm real. I'm really excited about I'm, what's I'm about to happen. I'm very pumped. I'm very pumped. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback, and it's about time that uh, we tackle a subject that you and I have talked about, and we've mentioned yes. having a guest mm-hmm. for a couple of episodes. But uh, we are now making it official. We have our first guest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Al Explains It All, and it is Real Talk, joined as always by producer Seth. How you doing? And it is Real Talk, because our first guest, and I know you're going to cue up this sound effect. Hey, Ash. Our first guest, my wife, my lover for five years, Ashley Labatt. How are you, dear? I'm well. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm uh, honestly, I'm truly honored that you guys have chosen me as your first guest. You're so sweet. I don't think, and I, and I told him, I don't think it could have been anybody else but you to be the first guest. Well, that that that's that says a lot because I know there are a lot of contenders wanting to <laughs> fight to the death to be on this podcast so and I'm, to and to be married to me. <laughs> that is true. I mean. Where I don't know if I'm going to be able list, to go okay? to the grocery store tomorrow once they hear this. And... Oh, yeah. Where is that <laughs> list? Your people want to marry you. Look, Look man, I'm being mashed all over the country. Don't use that <laughs> hip language, all right? You know I'm in my 30s. You I know, barely know what that means. A lot of people won't even understand. Yeah, Google it, Google it. But um, Those the... 20-somethings with their complicated with shoes. Four kids <laughs> driving a four Taurus. That's a TLC show right there. but today we are talking about a subject uh that is near and dear to my heart and to the two of you and i want to start by talking about our relationship as far as the combination of our interests because when we first got together i mean you had seen the you and i or you and her uh, both. Well, let's, oh, let's okay. rewind because I've had a longer relationship with producer Seth than I have with you. I mean, you're cool. Oh. I, have, I have known her longer, but well, I'll tell you this, and I was thinking about this before the podcast. At, you definitely, anything nerd them in her now is definitely you yeah. because, you know, she definitely wasn't into any of the stuff that is considered nerd, geek, whatever. You know, comic books, comic book movies, anything like that before she met you. So you get to take credit for that. Well, and I appreciate it. So, Ash, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, you have some things. I mean, you had Supernatural. You worked at Disney for a while. So were, there were some things, but it's indicative of the kind of person that you are. You were the only person that worked at Disney that had never seen any Disney movies. That is true. I mean, I lived there, and we'd go to all the parks, and a character would be out signing autographs, taking photos, and I'd be... Who's that? And my roommates would look at me with disgust. Right. On their I mean, faces. honestly, I, they'd be like, "That's Mr. Smee," and I'd be like, "Who's well, Mr. Gonna, Smee?" Well, you're gonna need an autograph. Speaking of Disney and characters, because producer Seth, I don't know if you know, uh, was in a French production of Beauty and the Beast. You just love talking about this. <laughs> it's my if favorite you're, thing. If you're expecting me to say my line, please, yes, please, maybe we have a guest, and she said, "Please." Let's just keep let's keep talking Disney and we'll, we'll maybe. So, you really hadn't watched anything, Ash, other than maybe um, you, the Pee Wee movies. You really weren't into cinema. Yeah, I was a nerd in my own strange right, which I guess is kind of how most nerds start out being. You just kind of discover things on your own. And then it wasn't until I became, you know, I started meeting people like Seth and others who loved comic books and loved these you know watchmen i i was told you know that's the first graphic novel you should read and i read it and i loved it and you know things like that to where you are around people who know these things and live by them and you know are so impacted by them and so i was like well i love these people and respect these people so i'll take what they think is kind of word and gospel and I went from there. What an interesting turn because you went from not watching any Disney movies to pretty much watching only Disney movies because <laughs> Marvel, Star Wars. That's true. Yeah, I mean, all of the movies we kind of get excited for are technically Disney properties. That's true. If I would have been myself 10 years ago when I worked in Disney World, I would have fit in like a glove. Yeah. But the movie that we're going to talk about today is not a Disney property. 
It is owned by Fox. Um, out of all of the series that you and I have watched, uh, Guardians is probably your favorite. But as far as the franchises are concerned, X-Men. Yeah. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. Do, um, does that surprise you, it's, Seth? I wouldn't say it's surprising. It's interesting, be it that X-Men was probably the first. Yeah. Uh, and obviously not the first comic book movie made. But definitely the first in a long line. Uh, I remember uh, X-Men and, and Spider-Man being the first ones coming out. And it was just so exciting because you're thinking, oh, I'm finally seeing these characters, you know, um, in real life on the big screen, live action type thing. So, I, and, and like I said, not so much. It's, it's interesting that out of all of the ones, X-Men. I, I thought it was interesting because... I had always looked at the the Sony franchises and the Fox franchises as sort of stepchildren. You know, I was really the 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 Disney Marvel movies were these are the true Marvel movies, and it was weird for me. Even though X Men came out first, I felt like the Marvel controlled movies had more of the true comic book adapted feel. But for you, Ashley. I feel like you relate to the characters and the story and the message more from X-Men than any of the other movies that you've seen. Absolutely. I was very late in the game with watching them. It was, um, I didn't watch them when they originally came out. I was definitely late to the party in that respect. <laughs> but one day, um, First Class was on and I started watching it and I was just entranced with the story. And then I let you know and then you told me... <laughs> your idea of how to watch the rest of them so i in a panic because she texted me i'm watching first class it just started i really like it and i freaked out because it was my one opportunity if she was going to do this to do it in my eyes to do it right right to do it right yeah so the way that i told her to watch it and for viewers at home or listeners at home if you haven't seen the x-men movies this is sort of the order that I would say to watch them. First Class, 1, 2, and 3, and then Days of Futures Past. I only say watch 3 because we had to watch it and we had to suffer through it. So, um, Where do the Wolverine movies fit into that list? They don't. Uh, ooh, and that's why she has my last name. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, First Class 1, 2, and 3 in Days of Futures Past, and you, in our discussions, have said that you appreciate the characters more because you have an understanding of the characters starting in that way. And, Seth, I'll, I'll throw this to you a little bit. Should that be how people watch it? Because, thinking about it, if you watch X-Men 1, it's just Patrick Stewart rolling up in a chair... Just kind of doing the whole, I am a cool-looking guy with a sweet suit and a bald head. Whereas in first class, you see his transformation into a leader. Do, would you agree that if you're going to do this, you start with first class? I, I don't. I don't agree with this because I'm a bit of a purist. Mm -hmm. and, and, and a pugilist. <laughs> and... No, nah, never mind. Anyway, but <laughs> I was going to keep going with it, but yeah, we only have so much time. No, I understand uh, that though. It's a similar vein of Star Wars. Thank, some people that's say what, that's what it comes down to. Because I, I would like for people who haven't seen them, I want them to have the same experience that the majority of people have seen it. So, yeah, if we got to start with one, two, and then that terrible third one, so be it. But, yes, they're out of order. They're not linear, similar to the Star Wars movies. But I just, I'm a purist in the sense that I want them to experience what I, I did. But when you put them out of order, they're, get, I mean, they're getting a different first impression. Interpretation. If they want to, and now if you want to watch them in a certain order later, that's fine too. But, but let's reverse it. You're a purist in that you have a background with these characters. You, this is a person that had no background, and so you start with First Class 1, 2, 3, Days of Features Past, so you see the younger versions, you are aware of their characters, 1, 2, 3, and then both collide in Days of Features Past. So for somebody who hasn't seen these movies or is not privy to them, 
To me, it's sort of the opposite. You watch them in a logical order and then watch them how they were meant to be viewed. Sort of like someone being introduced to Star Wars in the machete order. Kind of like this is a machete order. Well, in that case, you, you would have had Ash watch the entirety of the X-Men animated series from the 90s and then have them watch the the, the movie. in America. Yeah. Exactly. America. Exactly, because that, I mean, honestly, that was my only backstory that I had. Yeah. I, I wasn't reading the comics back then. Yeah. That's as much as I knew about the X-Men. Mm-hmm. But even still, regardless, I mean, I, I, I respect your opinion, mm-hmm. but like I said, even still, somebody that has that knows X-Men, that doesn't know X-Men, experienced the same way, I, the same way that mm-hmm. most people did. That's me. So, in, in either way, it's been viewed, and both of you have now seen the latest installment, uh, Al X-Men well, we Apocalypse. I mean, yeah, we, we, we all we, have. Um, Staring Contest, the movie. So, X-Men Apocalypse, it, it's just been released... Uh, I, it, it has been released on Blu-ray, has it not? Not yet. Uh, not yet? I don't know. Um, it should probably come out soon. Okay, but we're all caught up. We've all seen it um, in one fashion or another. Um, and this is a movie that I really wanted to talk about because, Ash, you have grown attached to some characters and you had some issues with it and I like your view on it because you're viewing it with fresh eyes and it's very it's a very confusing movie because the issue is is that the last movie Days of Futures Past converged two timelines so the first thing you said while watching Apocalypse is wait what? <laughs> Pretty much <laughs> I, and I don't know if it also was that I would kind of had my hopes high because I loved Days of Future Past. That was my favorite. I watched that too many times to count. If it, it was just on in the background, it's kind of like Guardians for me. That if I need something on in the background, it's what I would put on. I loved the era. I loved the story. Um, it was good for me. I thought Professor X is one of my favorites. It's just become that way. I think because I watched First Class first, it. I like the idea of you learn his backstory and you learn how he's about the greater good, even though a lot of them feel like outcasts. And I think as a nerd in general, sometimes it's, you know, getting really deep into it. But, you know, you feel that way and he's trying to bring them all together and it's all for good. And then, but you have the friend who's the opposite and how he feels and, you know, things like that. So it was, I was looking forward to that, but, eh. Well, and you bring up an interesting point, and it's why I respect you, and I wanted to bring you into this conversation, because you sit so many people down at the table, and you say, who's your favorite hero? And somebody says, Spider-Man, and you have Batman and Superman, and you go back and forth, I like Deadpool, and you have all of these people that have their reasons, and oh, I like this power and this power. She's the first person that I've spoken to that has outright said, as far as comic book heroes go, Professor X. Yeah, because everybody, I mean, everybody likes Professor X, but nobody has ever gone, Well, that's my favorite. And don't get me wrong, after kind of scanning the Marvel encyclopedia that you've shown me, I know he's not the best all the time. Just, I guess, just like every other character, you have to take the good with the bad, but... I love how you phrased it, shown me, not forced me to read. (laughs) (laughs) Page by page <laughs> out loud to me you had me while memorize <laughs> while you tuck me in and put me to bed but I, I I would say that it's probably attributed a little bit to McAvoy portraying the character the young Charles because he there's something I mean don't get me wrong Patrick Stewart amazing actor but McAvoy is just he's just a likable guy mm-hmm. you connect with him automatically mm-hmm. and you immediately like him so if I would think that maybe that attributes to why she likes him, unless she started liking him when he was. Well, but no, she saw first class. Well, first. I saw That's first right. class first, uh, and then going into one, two, and three, and how he was just such a leader, and you know had it all together. And then Days of Future Past was an interesting thing because you saw him at his worst, 
You know, which for the first three movies, if you watch them in the proper order, you see him and he's put together and he has such control of his power and his ability. And then all of a sudden you see him and he's, you know, just so torn by this friend that he had who has kind of lost her way and also with Eric in the same respect. And so it's just all hitting him in a way that he doesn't want to deal with this gift that you've seen in all the originals and are all the first ones that he took as such a privilege to have and he just kind of lets it go away so it's just interesting that even the strongest fall which is why i thought it was a he's a really cool character in the movies and it's interesting because seth and i refer to ourselves as old friend constantly (laughs) because we we really do it it clicked one day because we do have a relationship like um, Charles, Charles and, and Eric. Eric because we may come to disagreements but at the end of the day we can sit at a table play chess or what have you and have a gentleman's conversation and still maintain a friendship and I think it's interesting because you see the big bads and all these other storylines Lex Luthor and you know <clears throat> a plethora of different villains uh, that can be named that you can't really say Oh, they're best friends. And I think that's what also makes Eric and Charles' relationship so unique is because when you watch these movies, you get the sense that they, they get along. They do. And, and they, they make a point of it in every movie of them having those moments. Like these are, this is, you know, um, this is Batman and Joker. These are the arch enemies. It is Professor X and Magneto. But they all. But there's always that moment where they're still friends. They they there's that one thing that they disagree on that's enough to put them on opposite, complete opposite sides. But they have those moments where they're playing chess. They're they're having civil conversations. And you're right. That it's not that that dynamic is not in any other story. I, I would relate it to if if Batman versus Superman. Half of the movie was Clark and Bruce getting along and being best friends because they know who each other are. They sit down. They can have a conversation. But when it comes to certain things, they come to blows. I think that would be sort of a metaphor for that's the kind of relationship that we're talking about. That in one capacity, these guys are Charles and Eric, but kids and and viewers and people that read comic books mainly know them by their pseudonyms their alter egos professor x and charles xavier yeah oh professor x and uh excuse me see if they had only known that their mother had the same name earlier (laughs) on yeah it could have changed everything (laughs) man could you could you imagine magneto just having charles tilted back in that wheelchair just punching him in the face and then him going martha man (laughs) Brian Singer really missed the mark. And and, and, and and Charles just going, you're really hitting a guy in a wheelchair. This is how low you've sunk, Eric. Well, no, because if, if 20th Century Fox was doing this movie, it would be Hugh Jackman punching himself. He would just be all of the X-Men just beating himself up because they are not going to let him go anytime soon. Um, he can't be happy anymore. Yeah, I mean... Old Man Logan, I think, is his last one. But before we jump ahead to the future <laughs> franchises, uh, we're talking about Apocalypse. And we, like you said, Ash, you were eh. And I think <clears throat> the issue for me with Apocalypse is they had all these characters and no one did a damn thing in this movie. It, it, it was a whole lot of, like... It was a lot of nothing. It was it was a lot of nothing. It kept my attention, but yeah, like in the end, it's like, what is what is what is happening? We're not spoiling anything because nothing happens, folks. But all, all it was, in my opinion, was a call to action for Jennifer Lawrence to dominate, as they've been trying to do with all of the original, yeah. you know, all of the prequels. In my opinion, just like all the, I mean, they're they're making it about her. Uh, Who uh, gives a damn about Mystique? If you look at the poster, it's Jennifer Lawrence. It's not even Mystique. 
It is James McAvoy. Michael Fassbender has a helmet on and has his face. You, Michael Fassbender is more unrecognizable than Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, you know, I, it's funny because we're, we're, you know, I, I, I put the, the, the poster up for just encouragement. And you're right. Everybody <laughs> is in character. Even Hank. <laughs> Hank, who at the beginning of the movie is like, I have my powers under control. But, you know, he's still the beast. He's the beast. Jennifer, we can't even, we couldn't even keep her in that damn makeup because she bitched so much. And 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 it def, and it and, and it like defeats said, the purpose of the de- character. It defeats her entire character. Well, of, you shouldn't have to hide. Right, like we've discussed how in the whole first thing is that I'm a mutant and it's who I am. You know, after the whole battle with Hank and Eric, you know, it was that love triangle the whole time in first class of you should be who you are or you're beautiful as this or and then she comes to this realization that I'm I'm a mutant and it's who I am but it's she comes to the realization that I am an award winner damn it I'm an award winner and this is uncomfortable to wear Rebecca Romaine stayed in that makeup yeah she only the fact that there was a cameo there was like a a little scene where she mm-hmm. was herself was the icing on the cake it's like oh look she you know she's normal yeah <laughs> And then this one, <laughs> this one. I am a proud mutant. No, you're no, not. You clearly hate yourself. Um, and I did too after watching this movie. <laughs> I because think all that was missing when she was making the speech that your X Men was, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Yes, mm-hmm. and then just Psylocke could have shot an arrow whistle to the air. <laughs> Um, Stanley Tucci would have shown up somewhere. Yeah, I think Stanley Tucci will and be. Then she would have tripped and still been like, "I'm still cool." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, what if Jennifer Lawrence transformed as Mystique into Stanley Tucci? Yeah, are you listening, Brian Singer? <laughs> they don't need any more bad ideas. Yeah, <laughs> they um, have plenty of their own. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a bit of a tangent. I want you guys to take over and jump off on some of these points. Um, first thing is let's let's touch on apocalypse. Um, for those of you that don't know, there was a mock-up of uh, I think Ironhead Studios or Lionhead Studios. There's some company that does a lot of the suits and costumes for these. I hope Ironhead didn't do. Apocalypse. They did a mock-up of Apocalypse, and it looks... Apocalypse is supposed to look like Ving Rhames. He's supposed to look like purple Ving Rhames. He's supposed to look like a juiced-up Grimace. So why didn't they get him? They got Ivan Ooze, is who they got. This is My I- name is Ivan Ooze. <laughs> what they got is Oscar Isaac, my children. What's funny is that the, the actor who played Ivan Ooze is like a classically trained yeah. actor. He was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He mm-hmm. was the bad guy, in case nobody realizes that. In the Power Rangers movie. But well, to be but to be fair, I don't think it was anything against Oscar Isaac in terms of his acting ability. I just don't think it fit for what it should have no, been. No. I mean, Ex Machina, um, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Inside Lewin Davis, he's proven he can act, but the issue is, is that the portrayal of the character and who the character is... He is supposed to be be the harbinger or harbinger of death. Absolutely. He, he's supposed to be apocalypse. I'm going to end the world. So what I'm going to do is take all of the nuclear weapons and I'm going to fire them into the air and leave them there. I mean, he explained why he did it, Alex. No more superpowers. <laughs> That's what I think. But to be fair, why do you need to recruit horsemen to do your dealing? You got nukes! All of them. Every nuke. All the nukes. You have all the nukes. He could turn people into dust. He was pushing people into walls. No more superpowers. You're a bit of a hypocrite, man. Honestly, the only thing I saw from him, he was the equivalent of Sandman from Spider-Man. That's all he did. He he was trying to to cleanse the population and trying to prove that only the strongest will survive. You want to know how you prove that? You fire all the nukes at the Earth, and whoever gets back up after that is worthy to live on that irradiated glass planet. (laughs) I mean, the machinations for that character did not make sense. 
Peter Dinklage was more intimidating in Days of Futures Past. Don't you agree? He's just a badass. He he really was. But he really was, absolutely. Even though his overall his character didn't He was more of a threat to he, them. He wasn't it wasn't of malice. It didn't come from malice. But yeah, you you feared him more than I ever felt for Apocalypse. Which is even I mean it, it was a it's a similar thing in all of the movies. There's someone trying to take the mm-hmm. mutants down. And it just kind of gets deeper and deeper with everyone. And I think for him it was, you know, because you had the general with Wolverine and, you know, trying to test him and, you know, make this, you know, uber mutant or whatever. But, yeah, I felt like for him he was meaning well. But And then it wasn't until the end where he's like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, I'm, I mean, X-Men First Class, Kevin Bacon, really good villain you have there. So you're building up to the first mutant, Apocalypse. Ebsaban Noor? Am I getting that right? Ebsaban Noor. Ebsaban Noor. I think uh, they either uh, created Mortal Kombat, uh, they produced the Power Rangers, or they're the creators of... um, uh, (laughs) Are you talking about Haim Saban? Or um, America's Funniest Home Videos. That's Haim Saban. (laughs) Also the first mutant. Yeah, yeah, also the first mutant. I mean, only a mutant would have brought Super Sentai to the United States. Absolutely. Well, Super Sentai... Another joke for another time. Another joke for another time. But the the portrayal of the character and the way that the character acted was just poor. And not to mention... All right, hold on. I'm going to get a little upset here. It's okay. Quicksilver, his only driving his only driving idea and only driving motivation in this movie is I want him to know that I'm his son cut to Magneto who has a whole nother family and is just in the forest hanging out his family dies so right there it's yeah my dad left me he's a pretty bad guy cut to him with a family that he loves and adores who gets taken away from him. And then you have a moment where Quicksilver is standing, looking at Magneto and goes, don't be bad anymore. <laughs> you want to talk about apocalypse that I'm surprised. <laughs> that every, was the end of the world. I'm surprised right everyone that went to the theater at that moment, didn't just turn into dust. <laughs> I feel like he got redemption just because he has the best scenes in, in the movie. Well, I think, look, Quicksilver deserves, the art the art direction and the cinematography for Quicksilver is to be applauded. He does have some of the best um he does have some of the best moments in these movies. But th- that can't be your only hope is there's going to be another Quicksilver scene yeah. and you still have another hour and 45 minutes to fill with them just standing and staring at each other. And no, and I said it before, no development. Like, I had to question whether or not that character was Storm. Okay, okay, because she can control the weather, but at no point, I mean, is I, I, I still don't know. Is it, is it Storm? I seriously don't know. Oh, oh, it's Storm. Guess what? Jubilee is also in the movie. You remember that? No. Yeah, Jubilee's well, in mean, the movie. I mean... I think I remember seeing her, but how major of a character? I swear, I, I, I really... This is another issue that I have with Brian Singer. Days of Futures Past. Rogue is in the movie. Don't see her once. Oh, director's cut. Jubilee is in the movie. I didn't see her once. Oh, she'll be in the director's cut. You can't cast and put characters in a movie. And, and have them go on the press tours. Exactly. She was on all the press tours doing things... To promote the movie, and she was in it for about four and a half seconds. Of of the director's cut. Yeah. Of the I mean, no, of the she's just kind of in the background going. Yeah, because I, I vaguely remember like like seeing her. They're mentioning her name. Yeah, she and, she's at the mall, and you bring up a very good point that after they leave Return of the Jedi, they always talked about oh the third movie's always the worst one, which I said was a reference to the third X Men movie, and then she said well. Could they be referring to this one as well? Because it's the third in this. Tri- I went. I cannot believe it. This is the first franchise to screw up 
two third movies. That's that's a pretty remarkable. Feat. And they were able to, they inadvertently did it. They no no they inadvertently mess it up. They inadvertently made fun of, of themselves. <laughs> Whoops a daisy. Yeah, you want to talk about messing with the timeline, but <laughs> that was a big issue for me. Is you have all you can't. Just say, look at all these new X-Men that we have, and then say, uh, we're going to use this one, this one, this one, this one. Angel really didn't have anything to do. And, and that was your issue, is you really liked First Class in Days of Futures Past because you were kind of introduced to some new mutants. But this one you felt, Ash, that nobody really had anything to do. Well, Angel, I felt, you know, you knew about him in the first set. And it was an interesting story with his dad and everything. But this, they just kind of threw him in there. I thought they kind of threw Nightcrawler in there, which I loved Nightcrawler. I love Alan Cumming. I loved him in the first installment. Olivia Munn. Who was she? Good question. Because let me tell you something. (laughs) I, Psylocke, it's hard to explain why. I think it's because not only did I have a random Psylocke action figure, when I was a kid, but I had this very small uh, book about X-Men, about mutants, that I would read, you know, it's the kind of book you read over and over again. And Psylocke always stood out to me because I think, like I said, I think I had the action figure. So, you know, that's the only reason I, I knew of her character. But the fact, the way she was, it's the same as uh, Emo Storm. It's the same as Drunken Angel. There was, like, unless you were diehard fans, you had no idea who these characters were. There was no development to them. And they didn't, and they did nothing. To be fair, though, I feel like they developed Storm way better than the others, though. uh, Right, because they did the whole thing of, you know, Mystique is is my hero and everything. That's true. That was, but that's it. But you want to talk about a great character introduction? Um, X2 with Nightcrawler. It starts off, and he's in the White House, some of the best fight scenes. He, he's transporting and teleporting in and out. What a fantastic way. And visually, it still stands up to this day, which sure, is surprising absolutely. because this is another thing that grinds my gears. It's all Brian Singer. Why is there such a disparity in the way that characters are presented when you created the vision of these characters in the first place? Yeah, that was my confusion of not really understanding a lot of it is because I'm watching it just as the movie with no backstory. And so I'm trying to connect the dots. And then so you go, are you supposed to or are you not supposed to? But they weave in certain aspects, but then they don't. And so that's really difficult as just someone going in and watching the movies. It's like, which one is it? Yeah. It's like he was trying to to fix a mistake. Which is what he did with Deja Features Past. Which was fantastic because I got to legitimately answer a question with this because after the end of Days of Futures Past, Ash, you looked at me and said, wait, and started asking me all these questions about X3, right? Yes, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, you said, well, wait, well, what about this? And I said, X-Men 3 doesn't exist. And and that's, okay, we all agree that X, and I, we've talked about this, we all agree that X3 was terrible, but the fact that Days of Future Past erased one of the best story arcs in X-Men all, I, I mean the, the Dark Phoenix Saga really bothers me okay it was bad we, we know that X3 was bad but it just it didn't happen Cyclops you're alive oh hey but, Kelsey Grammer but <laughs> Hello. To, to your Logan. point, what bothered me also with Apocalypse is that Jean Grey had so much better control of what she could do than the first three. How does that happen? You know, in X-Men 1 and 2, she's like, eh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scared. I don't know. And But in this one, she just does it. Yeah, she's busting out the Phoenix way early. I mean, busting out the Phoenix. Busting out which the is Phoenix. another testament to, okay, are you following the movies are you not? They, they're not. They're literally create. They're continuing to create. They're like Brian Singer. He's has multiple timelines of canon that he's just playing with, but not respecting 
anything the way it actually happened. He, he's acting like these are isolated films, and the problem is, is that in order to have an understanding, and in order to, you have the opportunity to develop characters over years and over multiple films. So don't act like they're isolated incidents when they all can tie together into one overarching, beautiful tapestry of story. They bring in Wolverine in Apocalypse, for me, for no reason! None. That, you know what? I was thinking about it. I was like, that cameo should have been so cool. But I went, oh, I, I swear, I was expecting him to be in the rest of the movie. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, they're doing the cameo thing. Why not just put him in the rest of the damn movie? He's in every other damn movie. Yeah. I, I mean, it didn't. It wasn't a surprising cameo because Hugh Jackman is in every mm-hmm. damn X Men movie. I think it was their way of saying, "Oh, this is my last one. Yeah, this or, is my last one." So it's like you got to tune in and see yeah. what Wolverine's gonna do. Well, and know. again, it was still inaccurate. Because they portrayed right. him as going directly from the procedure to breaking out in the original. And in this, he was being held captive for an extended period of time prior to finally breaking out. Yeah, and we are supposed to believe that the reason he has fragments of memory is because Jean Grey gave it back to him. Which may be why he's so attracted to her in the first place. It's just, why? Why make this connection? You're reaching. That is really reaching. You know what the X-Men movies are? It's that famous episode of um, Flintstones and the Jetsons where they meet each other. His boy Elroy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, I love. It's that famous episode of I Love Lucy where they're trying to make the pies on the conveyor belt and it keeps mm-hmm. going faster and faster. Yes. That's what happened. They started making movies and it came out faster and faster and they started messing up here and there Mm -hmm. and now they don't know what they have so they're just they're messing they're just screwing up every pie that comes out and they're just they're rushing things if you go back and and watch this film again really pay attention to what each of the characters do because I felt like in X-Men First Class and in Days of Futures Past there really was some moments where they reached the height of their powers, I felt. And then, so you have Magneto standing, and it's just particle effect. He's not doing anything. You you make him a fourth horseman of the apocalypse. He's just standing there. You green screen him. You green screen him. Michael Fassbender, wonderful actor, is just forced to sit there and stare. And then at the end of it, they're having a cup of hot chocolate, laughing everything off. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's back to normal. Eric, you little scamp, you. You keep getting out of line, and I'm going to put you back in line. Gives him a noogie on his bald head. <laughs> it, it just, this movie had no consequence. It's supposed to be about the end of of civilization or the end of mutant kind or the end of humanity and you're going to fire nuclear weapons into the air and leave them there what what's the point if you could tap i would have much rather seen apocalypse firing off one nuke and the x-men having to band together to try to disable it before it hits a strategic target that would have been a much cooler scene. And in my I feel eyes. like I was under the impression, and I don't know if it's just me watching so many of these movies. I thought eventually something was going to come to a head, and they would have all tried to take down Apocalypse. Yeah. As one unit. Mm-hmm. You know. X Men. The whole. The whole thing. The whole team aspect. Yeah. Which is what X Men's always been about. Right. But no, Not I don't. Unity. Yeah, no. Of course, no. Jean Grey, uh, our powerful Phoenix. But well, there was also a rumor about. How? Because remember, when they teased and advertised and marketed this movie, one of the big things was, we're going to see how Charles Xavier loses his hair. And there was a rumor going around that during the battle, the mental battle with Apocalypse, Charles was going to literally pull his own hair out, which would have been, I think, it would have, for me, 
probably been one of the best origin moments for a character in cinema. Such a powerful scene. That a man who could stop time, we've seen him do it where he stops. He can read he can read all of humanity's minds and search people out and find mutants using Cerebro. I mean, jump into people's bodies and talk for them. To be that distraught and that overpowered that he's ripping his own hair out? No. It just kind of just fades away. It's like, uh. yeah. Like, that's what I've imagined. I don't know if he actually made that sound, but the scene... When it played out on the screen, that's what I heard. Just uh, and, his, and his hair just kind of like like a dandelion in the wind. It was. It had the same effect as as the bad thing vanishing in an old Goosebumps episode. That and it would be that bad effect where something would vanish. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It was like my planet needs me. Yeah. And it just and that that was that entire movie. Every that moment is representative of that entire movie. Just, meh. It, it just went away. <laughs> he just went away. Right. It just, it just, something happened. We won't explain what, because there's, I mean, there's special forces involved in hair follicles. <laughs> so who knows what powerful magic, you know, caused that to happen? So the question is, is where do we go going forward? Because We've got Gambit coming up, and I think for us, I think just as much as Deadpool was a character that we were very excited to see, Gambit is uh, has a special place in our hearts because he's a hometown boy. That's right. Well, and I think we'll Asian. be more we'll be more critical of it too because they've already done Gambit, and it, you know. To to, was, to mixed reviews, and especially because you know Channing Tatum says he wants to do the accent accurately and you know follow it, we're gonna definitely be more critical. I'm gonna ball me some scrimp. Oh. No, mes amis. No, he gonna be mes flat. No, he amis. gonna be flat, flat. I want him to be. But that sound like he from Eunice. I want him to be just like he was debonair, like in the cartoon. Oh, you mean he is essentially going to be Pepe Le Pew? Yeah, he's. A, <laughs> He was not the Cajun at all. He was just straight up frogs. Can I tell it's you? It's gonna be the princess and the frog, but oh, oh my you God. Know. Marie, let me get the best you Yeah, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> to ex- to explain, that was the line. I, you know, Alex referenced uh, that I was in a French version of Beauty and the Beast when I was in uh, high school or grade school, and I got to play. Uh, the enormous role of the baker. If you remember the opening scene of Beauty and the Beast when Belle is singing her song, there's a part where she interacts with a baker and uh, she briefly talks to him and, and the baker kind of ignores her and just yells at one of his bakers to retrieve some of the bread. And my my line in French was Marie, le baguette de pêchez-vous. Wonderful. Give me a round of applause. You actually spoke better French yelling at a fake person than that person did in that uh, X-Men movie playing Gambit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when they release the trailer for that, we're going to... I'm going to start calling and saying, Mon ami, every time I talk to somebody now, is because that is how Gambit talks. Um, but for those of you that don't know, there is an X-Men from... Um, he is from the Louisiana area. And we spoke to the creator of Gambit, Chris Claremont, yes. at a Comic-Con. And one of my favorite conversation pieces was he, how he thought he was dressed so stupid yeah, he, he for was, someone being from Louisiana. He's in a trench coat. He's in a trench coat. He's got that weird <laughs> face thing going on. Whatever, yeah, whatever that headband is, he's got around his face. Um, well, no, I mean, he's, he's specifically from New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, has the ability to basically charge energy into any object he touches mm-hmm. and uses as a weapon. What like like you? My, I don't know why, but he and it may have been because he was from Louisiana. Yeah. That had to be it. Um, but one of my favorite characters from the cartoon growing up when I was watching it, I just like I like Gambit. He 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 what? Because you have listen, bub. You have these other. These very uh, righteous characters. He was just this kind of guy, like, hey, I got these powers, and I'm, you know. Yeah, like, who really likes Cyclops? 
when you think about it. Who really liked Cyclops? Did, did you, in any of the movies, Ash, did you have any feelings or did you feel for Cyclops at any point? Not any more than anyone else did, I think. I was just kind of indifferent. I was just kind of, eh. But not even, from the, not even from the movies, just in general as the character. Like you said, you know, you never really heard about somebody who liked Professor X. You know, there was always the, the Wolverine people. There was always a Spider-Man, a Superman, a Batman person. But Cyclops, the leader of the X-Men, for the most part, aside from Professor X himself. But nobody, like, was like Cyclops. I've I mean, heard people outright say, I hate Cyclops. I've heard that from people. He was like, an, and, and we're going to, you know, you market for an advisory, so we're going to start bringing it there. He was an asshole version of Captain America. Yeah. You know, he, he portrayed that leadership role, but he was just, he was an ass. Well, in the first the three, he was really just there to kind of fight for his wife. Fight for his wife's affection in an odd way. Like, that's really what he was. He was just one of the teachers at the school. He never lived. And Wolverine was there and was way more debonair toward Jean Grey than he ever was. And so it was really just like, she's mine. Yeah. and which You it, know, and that's all it was. Yeah, and you think at the end of Days of Futures Past, if, the, if everything would have been right with the world, Jean would have walked up and then just embraced Logan. And, you know, Scott would have been like, cool, man. You you go to town on that redhead. No, but it was, oh my God, Gene. Hey. And then Scott walks up. What are you looking at, man? Because <laughs> that, it, it, oh, I guess some things never change. Well, what? You want to call into question Gene Gray. Her decision making, as far as guys are concerned, I mean, she I would. She had a lot on her plate, you know, the multiple personalities and yeah. Phoenix and everything. Give her a break. Women, am I right? Not cool. <laughs> I can actually add more silence to that. Yeah. Through the the miracle of, of editing. Um. So my question is: is as we go forward from here, do we trust Brian Singer with the X Men, this core X Men franchise, or is it time to let it go? Because if we do, we trust. Who is not Sony? Fox. Do we yeah, trust Fox. Fox? I mean, I haven't trusted Fox for a long time. If you look at the numbers, X Men pulled in $155 million domestically. They had a $178 million budget. So technically, in the US, it was a flop. Yep. But for the worldwide gross, it pulled in $534 million. And, and, and it's always known international numbers always give movies that even fail a little bit that buffer as opposed to a movie remember this had a 178 million dollar budget as opposed to a movie with a 58 million dollar budget and pulled in 783 million dollars and is also an x-men movie and an x-men movie done right deadpool yep right because they listened they knew what people wanted they didn't want to phone it in they knew it had to be rated r they knew it had to have the humor the language they knew the character and they marketed it perfectly because let's all all praise ryan reynolds Mm -hmm. wade wilson himself i think i think he's just gonna i i'm just gonna start calling him wade from now on because i think this was one of the first casting decisions for a long time when when somebody said, well, who do you think should play Deadpool? Ryan Reynolds. Oh, man, he'd be perfect. And he's one of the first people that I've seen go, yes, I, I, I read this character. Wholeheartedly, I am this character. Maybe the only other casting choice that may have been perfect, so to speak, Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier. Because he was in discussion to play Professor X and said, you know, oh, I'm not sure about this. And somebody slammed down a comic book on his desk, and he's quoted as saying, what am I doing in a comic book? He didn't know who Professor X was, and when he saw it, he went, oh my god, I am this character. What is happening? This is me. So, you had these guys come together, and I don't know how it happened, but a leak happened of a mock-up trailer for the idea of a Deadpool movie. And when it leaked, everybody went, yes. 
And the difference between these other movies and this and Deadpool is passion and a respect for the source material. Going into this movie, Ash, you were really worried because you felt like this was going to be a very annoying character. Yeah, I was really skeptical. I'm I didn't know anything about Deadpool. I hadn't watched um was it Wolverine? The Wolverine movie where Deadpool was in it. Yeah, the first Wolverine beforehand. Origins. Yeah, the one that doesn't exist. That yeah, not only does that is movie that not one? exist, that version of Deadpool does not exist. Is that the one that I texted you and I said, I don't understand what I'm watching? <laughs> yeah, and I said, stop, what are you doing? Okay, <laughs> yeah. and I said, thank you very much. Yeah. Stop, stop, um, don't so, do it. Let's, let's just say five years, never had an argument, and this is why I love this woman sitting next to me. She texted me watching one of the Wolverine movies, and she said, can I stop now? And I said, yes. She asked me permission. She asked me permission to stop watching the movie. I would have stuck it out if if you said no. Halfway through, it gets amazing, and it's, you know, award-winning. If I had a nickel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is what she said. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, Deadpool, I felt like he would have been too crass for me to understand and like and appreciate, you know, just seeing the trailers and – it was kind of like Guardians for me. I didn't understand the characters. I didn't know them. And they marketed it as here are these, you know, kind of vigilante jerks, essentially. And Deadpool was kind of the same way. And I didn't know if I would like it. And both of those movies ended up being some of my favorites that have come out. Um, which is interesting because I feel like for Deadpool, it's a, it's a, it's a love story. They marketed this as a romantic comedy. And... I think that the way that they handled the character and because he is a very souped up version um, of a mutant and can break the fourth wall, I hope in the next movie that they do do some fourth wall breaking. Like, I'd love, oh my God, I'd love to see a fight that spill, kind of like in Blazing Saddles where it spills over into like onto the set and into the lot. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. I really would hope for that. Or, like, you know, he could have cocked back for a punch and he hit the camera guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I felt like it did enough fan service and winks. The opening credits set the tone for the movie. Mm-hmm. And going forward from there, it it was a very – it had its heart in the right place. It did. And it didn't feel forced, as we've mentioned with Apocalypse, that I felt like they just kind of added McTaggart back. For this love aspect, no, that striker, li- strike general striker. No, no, no. Oh, Laura, they Myra? just whatever her name is, Rose Byrne. They just added her yeah. back in to just kind of have a love story. It's like as if they needed another thing to try to explain or bring back. Yeah, but they- as opposed to Deadpool, where it was just very, it was organic and that it just made sense and it flowed well. Francis was a better villain than Apocalypse. Yeah, hands obviously. down. It's funny, you know, you mentioned, and because they did, they, you know, it was Valentine's Day, they were marketing it as this romantic comedy. And I took it as a joke, but in the end, you're right. He, everything he was doing was for this lost love. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I did not realize that until now. They, they were being serious when yeah. they marketed it as a romantic comedy. Yeah. They, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't to try to fool people. I think it was, a, a fantastic way of saying you're going to have this guy be this ugly killing machine, but they gave him motivation and a purpose and they gave him a good heart. And for that, I applaud them because they weren't lying. They were able to say, bring your girlfriend to this. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to enjoy it. And you know what? She'll be able to as well because at the end of the day, He's still kind of recognizable, and kudos to them because they messed up Ryan Reynolds' face. He's still sort of recognizable, but look at that. Ryan Reynolds did not show his face once in the marketing material for for Deadpool, and look how much money it pulled in. Yet X-Men Apocalypse has Jennifer Lawrence giving uh, James McAvoy a lap dance, and it it, it had a $20 million deficit in the United States. Look. Hunger Games, more like Thirsty Games, am I right? Oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I passed out for a second. Um, 
No, yeah, no, it, it was bad, but you, you, you don't, don't blame Jennifer Lawrence, man. You don't know until you've gone through that makeup, man. It's uncomfortable. Until I've walked, and I'm Jennifer Lawrence. Until I've walked <laughs> a mile in her shoes and then tripped all the way up to the stage. Tripped on the way, say you're cool, and then photo bomb someone. Hold up a three, and then whistle. Yeah. Um, but so the question is, Deadpool did it right. So this all sums up into this: Does does 20th Century Fox allow the X-Men to be released to Disney and the New Mutants maintained by 20th Century Fox and they still are able to to utilize those characters and still produce some films in that is it an all or nothing situation no they need to they need to take a page out of Sony's book and realize that yeah they're they are commercially successful but to stop yeah you know take distribution rights but give marvel back the creative control give us uh, give us an x-men movie that we the one we want yeah and and just stop did is Deadpool Fox as well? Yes, Deadpool is an X-Men, so... I believe they would get rid of X-Men well before they get rid of Deadpool because of its success. Yeah. Well, and... I, I Look, I know it made $783 million. I don't know if that made up for the uh, the black hole that was Fan4Stick. Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Um, so, it may be tough for the... It may be tougher for them to give up X-Men than the Fantastic Four. Um but will we see the will we see Avengers versus X Men one day? Do you think that that's a possibility? Because I, I, I mean, sure, never say never. I, I, I definitely wouldn't say never. But as long, I mean, I didn't. I didn't think that I would see what I saw in Civil War, but yeah. it ended up happening. Yeah. So it's like it's a matter of these companies coming together and. Wanting to work to get like we all want they all want to make money we get it, but you're not doing it as well as Marvel can do it. Yeah, just concede to that fact, come to an agreement, and then be like we can all make money off of this. Yep, let's let's give them something but to with, talk about. But with that too, I think Marvel <laughs> is going to be way more particular about which X Men they select. Like they're not just going to pick the ones that have been known for well, no, I mean, well, they can, fifteen I mean, years. You know, like they're not just going to say, "Oh, well, we need to pick Storm, and we need to have this one, and we need to have Cyclops." Like they'll. Well, I think it's all inclusive. Yeah. If they take mutants. They take mutants. That's the whole thing. No, I know, but I feel like they would be more selective. And why don't we tap into other ones, other X Men? So what she's saying, you know what I mean? Yeah. As not opposed the to old, the old. Well, yeah, I mean, think they need to stop with Wolverine. Right, right, and but I feel like. Right, I feel like they need to just kind of cut the losses of the X Men that have been introduced, and yeah, because introduce a few of them possibly, but not all of right, them. Right, because there's so many other mutants out there that are just as interesting characters. But let's you know, let's bring yeah. some new, just like well, I was gonna say Suicide Squad, but just like DC is is attempting to do with you know nobody knows who Suicide Squad is, nor, nobody will, who, nobody, nor will they ever after this yeah, movie. I, nobody knew who Guardians was now. But mm-hmm. now everybody has fallen in love with those characters from one movie. Right. Because, and and we'll, we'll sort of start winding down, but again, look who directed the movie. Look who had their hands in the movie with Guardians. James Gunn. He came from making trauma films, some BD movies that he was passionate about, but no, nobody saw a commercial release. But he cared about the characters. They were these weirdos. And he he had his heart. That movie has its heart in the right place. And Apocalypse, for me, has no heart. It is artificial emotion. The emotion that you're supposed to feel in the forest with Magneto is just eh. Because when you've already seen a kid being drugged out of a concentration camp uh, as his parents are wrenched away from him, you, you sort of hit a bar with emotional 
distress and uh, you know caring about a certain character as far as what happens to them emotionally. Look, what happened to Magneto's family is not cool, but maybe it's kind of karma because this is the same guy that was a horseman of the apocalypse. So, well, that was before. Oh, and he also has another family that is like living in a basement. Oh, I mean, let's. I mean, he, he did a bunch of other horrible stuff. Oh yeah, before that. Oh yeah, but I mean, let's. If we argue that one particular scene, it still doesn't make up for everything else that was terrible about the movie. No, so it no, 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 not at all. It, it just. So my question then I think to sort of wrap this up uh, is Ash as far as the X-Men are concerned what do you want to see going forward do you want to see an end to some characters do you want to see more development of others do you want to see the older Patrick Stewart and McKellen's return Um, there is so Gambit's been announced there's another Deadpool coming up and there's going to be the finale of Wolverine Hugh Jackman's last go, it's going to be Old Man Logan, which is set, well, the original comics were kind of set in the distant future. There were incestuous uh, banner cousin children uh, roaming about. It was a really weird story, but people really liked it. But um, he will be, he'll be popping the claws one more time. So my question for you, dear, is what do you want to see from the X-Men going forward? I kind of don't because they've started every film in the first in you know first class Days of Futures Past Apocalypse. It's ten year gaps, so really there isn't much for it to go. You don't want to see nineties X Men listening to Nirvana in the plaid, nah. in plaid drinking. Uh... It'll be yellow plaid in suits. Oh yeah, look. Now, if they make a 90s cartoon X-Men movie, (laughs) I will drag you by your feet into the theater. Yeah, I just don't know. I feel like it could go either way in that they'll think, you know, let's milk the cow Mm -hmm. one more time and do one final one to try to bridge the gap even more than they feel like they have or not bridge the gap because that's how they've gone. But I think we... I would be satisfied, you know, it's it's in threes, you know, they had the first set of three, last set of three, you can kind of bridge as they are now, and then just kind of work with Gambit and Deadpool, and, you know, maybe even Quicksilver. I mean, it's been such a loved character, you know, yeah. that would be kind of cool to do a Quicksilver side I, I movie. I will say that, their, their version of Quicksilver, much, much better, better than Marvel. Which is surprising, uh, but uh, Evan just, Peters was. is, I believe, his name. Evan Peters is the guy that that plays him. Right. Um, He said that he wants he wants to team up with Deadpool, and which which would be be a fantastic film. But um, I I can I can agree with you. I I think that these movies, you've got six films. Star Wars had six. You've kind of got the before the afters. I think if they left them where they were and started maybe tapping into some other mutants that there may be something there uh seth i'll I'll pose you the same question aside from like you mentioned x-men versus avengers the only storyline that i would care that involved mutants which would precede that is decimation yeah house of m house of m see that the whole scarlet witch taking out 95 percent of the mutant population that's that's the only big story arc that I can see coming from the X-Men mutant world that would be worth doing if done right. I'm going to, I'll, I'll give you my wish and, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Joaquin Phoenix as Wolverine. I've said it before and I will say it again. Uh, Google some pictures of Joaquin Phoenix and Inherent Vice and it tell is, me it's that, pretty spot on, yeah. that, that is, is Wolverine. not oh Wolverine. He's got the chops. He could have the build. I mean, I think oh, yeah. he's built for it. Um, he could I, have the 
kind of jagged edge oh. personality I mean, very well. He yeah, already he's went, crazy. He yeah. already yeah, went he's, crazy he's, once. He's crazy. So. <laughs> All he's for a role, mind All you. All for a role. He'll strap some Ginsu knives to his hands and run around Central Park in order to get the part. Man, pull up. If you don't know what we're talking about, pull up a David Letterman interview with Joaquin Phoenix. It is a it is a hoot. Yeah, you want to talk about a dark Phoenix saga? <laughs> just, just look up Joaquin's uh, "I'm Still Here" documentary. Oh yeah, yeah. And speaking, but you know what? We're not going to be here very much longer. Uh, it's time to wrap this up. This has been real talk here on Alex Explains It All. A round of applause for our first guest, Ashley. Thank you guys for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely, I've had a blast. Hey, not a problem. It was it was a pleasure having you, and we hope. Uh, that you listeners at home, if if you want to come on the show, if you've got an idea for the show, uh, just re- reach out to us. We have our contact information when this podcast goes up uh, on iTunes and YouTube. So we'd love to hear from you, uh, what you think, your feedback. This has been a very fun ride, and we hope to keep it going. Absolutely. Yeah, so that about wraps it up for Alex Explains It All. For Ashley, this has been Alex and Seth. See you later, folks. Bye. Bye.